and the German war was all but at an end, when a new visitor called on us. As usual, I vacated our living room. On this occasion, retiring to the kitchen, I was just lighting a cigarette when Holmes put his head around the door and said, Watson, could I ask you to join us? Major Frank Foley has specifically asked that you be commissioned to make a record of this case. My heart leapt at the suggestion, and I joined Major Foley and Holmes in our sitting room. Mr. Holmes, you will remember that in May 1941, Hitler's deputy Rudolf Hess unexpectedly landed in Scotland. Age had not withered my colleague's power of recall, nor diminished the rigour of his spirit, so his response was occurred. Of course I remember it. I was the man who interrogated him. At the time, there was general puzzlement that Hess, a man so high up in Nazi circles, should have been so ignorant of German plans. He had flown to Britain and asked to speak to the Duke of Hamilton, but he did not claim political asylum, did not make any remotely credible attempt to present new peace proposals, and did not seem to have any worthwhile reason to have taken the great personal risk of flying here solo. He regularly claimed amnesia, and then had patches where he remembered meeting people in the past. Since the announcement of the death of Hitler earlier this week, he has suddenly become lucid. He now talks at length about the Nazi inner circle, and has made some startling claims about it which we are quite unable to disprove. Pray continue. At some point there will be a trial of the surviving Nazi leadership. One of Hess's defences about being put on trial would be insanity. Our psychiatrists are divided as to whether Hess is insane. While our Soviet allies have made it clear that they will regard any failure to put him on trial as a major breach of our alliance, we therefore want Hess to be questioned by a man whose word carries weight both here and in Moscow, and we want the questioning to be reported by a man of unimpeachable integrity. Hence, my request that Dr. Watson joins us. There should be no doubt that the questioning has been thoroughly carried out and Hess's responses accurately recorded. Holmes shot a mischievous sidelong glance at me. <laughs> so, my dear Watson, he chortled, after all my complaints that you embellish and romanticize my investigations, you are still regarded as an accurate chronicler of them to pile a pillion of additional irony onto an osser of existing irony. Your recording of my complaints about the accuracy of the way you portray me is almost the only element of your stories that can truly be described as accurate. He turned to Foley. And Hess is still at Main Diff Hospital in South Wales, I take it. Yes, sir. That is where it is planned that you should interview him, as that is the easiest place to ensure both your security and his. And how do you propose to get us there? Transport is at your disposal and will be here in half an hour. Even though many years had passed since my soldiering days, I had remained organized and with few material needs. So in comfortably less time than stated, I was ready to go, as was Holmes. I shall not detain my reader with the tedium imposed by the exigencies of wartime travel, other than to say that every effort was made to ensure that our journey was as swift and as comfortable as possible. It was a great pleasure, though mildly disconcerting, as dusk approached, to see some house and street lights visible. Cutting through the twilight, now that the blackout restrictions had at long last been lifted. It was late when we arrived at Maindiff, 
Quarters had been found for us in the southern lodge.